Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, it's Amara. Like so many of you, I have been in pain since the release of Dave Chappelle's latest Netflix special, The Closer, in which the comedian launched a series of hate speech attacks against our community disguised as jokes. I've been grappling with where and how to respond. I wanted to do so in a way that was thoughtful and in a space where I felt that I wouldn't be attacked and dismissed. That's why I reached out to the podcast, Cancel Me Daddy, and asked, is there anything that we can do together? It's hosted by trans journalist Caitlin Burns and Oliver Ash Klein. Oliver Ash is also a producer on this podcast. Their program sheds light on which perspectives are actually being suppressed and left out of conversations, you know, canceled. And given that Chappelle sees himself as the victim and not victimizer in all of this, means that Cancel Me Daddy is a natural place to engage this topic. This controversy isn't going away, however, and I'm personally committed to doing even more on what it all means. In the meantime, take a listen to what we have to say and let me know what you think. So, Caitlin, who are we going to cancel today? How about Dave Chappelle? Yeah, that's really that's really the only direction we could go this week, isn't it? Is there anything else we can talk about? No, I don't think so. We might as well shut down our podcast if we don't talk about this. <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Caitlin Burns. And I'm Olive Rash Klein. And you're listening to Cancel Me Daddy. The show where we take a closer look at all of the panic round cancel culture with thoughtful analysis and verbal shitposting. So Oliver, I have a question for you. Sure. I saw your tweet the other day. Why do you think soup is a sandwich? Um, because it is. Okay, listen. I'm a very tolerant person. I pride myself on my open-mindedness. I find no justification for this. Well, I am the creator of Unbridled Chaos. How is soup in any way a sandwich? I don't have to explain myself to you. Wow. Okay. (laughs) We have our first pod fight. One of many to come, I am sure. (laughs) Uh... Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to um, share a review that we got on Apple Podcasts that made me smile. Um, it's from Muppet Jedi, which is a great name. Um, and Muppet Jedi said, I appreciate the smarts, the smart assness, the inquiry, the critique, the analysis, and the constant reminder to look deeper than the headlines. Thank you for making me smarter. 
Um, I think that's directed at you, Caitlin, because I'm just a big himbo no, over no, here, no. <laughs> shit posted with my mouth. <laughs> no, no, we have to give at least partial credit to the cancel daddy here. <laughs> we really appreciate your reviews on Apple, especially. And anytime you uh, give us a positive word on Twitter, we'll retweet it. Um, and it really helps us out and helps us grow our show. And we appreciate it. Yeah, those reviews really help us out. So if you want to write a sentence or two telling us how much you love us, we really appreciate it. And also wanted to let y'all know that we got nominated for the Discover Pod Awards, which I was really excited to see, Caitlin. Did you know that that was coming? I had no idea. And I screamed a little bit when I saw it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And if you want to support us, you can go vote for us in the best society and culture podcast section we will put a link to that in our show notes okay let's get to today's show today we're going to be talking about dave chappelle's netflix special the closer which is rightfully getting a lot of blowback right now because of the transphobia and specifically the transmisogyny in it for this conversation, we're joined by the one and only Amara Jones. She's the founder of Translash Media, where she hosts the Translash podcast and the Anti-Trans Hate Machine. And you should definitely listen to them both. If you like Cancel Me Daddy, you'll probably be a fan because I also help make those shows. And Amara has way smarter things to say than I do. Amara, I would say it's a delight to have you on the show, but we're here to talk about some bullshit. So instead, I'll say thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me and for responding to my... Slack yesterday is like, I want to do something. Let's do something with Cancel Me Daddy. Is that okay? Um, I think it is a perfect collaboration. Yeah, excited to have you on. Hey, Caitlin, I'm normally interviewing you. Isn't that interesting? I know. How the how the tables have turned. I listen, listen. 2021. We're <laughs> laughing to keep from keep from crying. I mean, yeah. No kidding. We really are right now. It's really terrible. It's just bad. I mean, I've spent my entire day on this. I, I you know, I'm just about Dave Chappelle out. I mean, people can't see you, but how are you not drinking? <laughs> how do you know I'm not? <laughs> oh, that's true. The, way you're, the video that I can see has you like, it doesn't seem that you're drinking. I don't know. <laughs> Is this water or vodka? <laughs> It's an open question now. I mean, where don't we start, right? I mean, that's the question. Uh, So I'm going to go off the assumption that most of our listeners are probably familiar with some of the particulars, but just to hit some of the highlights here, Netflix released another Dave Chappelle comedy special. Uh, This one's called The Closer. And this is his fourth special in a row to have an extended routine about trans people and i think he had some comments about the larger lgbt community and this is such a a a routine thing now with him right it's almost scripted to play out this way but you know he's gotten blowback from glad and the national black justice coalition jacqueline moore who's a showrunner on Dear White People has said that she will not work with Netflix as long as they continue to profit from blatantly and dangerously transphobic content. And uh, a trans employee at Netflix uh, did a very long and I thought well done Twitter thread speaking out and, and giving her thoughts on her company 
continuing to platform Chappelle. And news broke actually the day that we're recording this that that woman, Tara Field, has been suspended now from her job at Netflix. It's just been a big old mess. So, Amara, you said that you wanted to come and do a collaboration around this. And what are some of the big things that kind of you are thinking about and having conversations about and grappling with as as this has come out? Despite the fact that this is just a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, that being said, I mean, it just honestly is. I know that that's an inelegant way of saying it, but when you either look at or you read the entire piece – it is clear that this is not comedy. It's an act of derision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a derisive rant that is hidden behind a tone of joking and audience laughter. And so I, when I say that, I really do mean that there is an actual larger picture for the point that this is not art. <laughs> Mm-mm. And this is not entertainment. It's not jokes. And I think that that's why it's landing in such a way. And so then the question is, what is it when you ask me what I'm grappling with? And I'm really grappling with what this is and why people are so gravitated towards it. You know, according to some streaming metrics that I've seen, this is in the top 10 of Netflix's programs for the week so far. Mm-hmm. I have had friends who have told me that they feel pressure from other friends to watch it with them because they have found it so funny. They're friends. Someone that I know who actually works for the New York Times told me that today. Mm. I have had other people that I thought were allies in our community, specifically gay men, specifically Black gay men, uh, rush to defend him. And I think I'm really grappling with, there's Dave Chappelle and there's all of his stuff, which is just rank and dirty. And Mm -hmm. it's been that way since this and Sticks and Stones, right? Which was also a transphobic rant, which Mm -hmm. may or may not have fed into um, a suicide by a trans woman who he said was his friend. There's a lot of dispute about that. And we'll just leave that to the side. But then there is the world that feeds him. There's Mm -hmm. the world that sustains him. And those people supposedly are on our side. And I was really thinking about before I came on about Trump and how maybe Trump wasn't an anomaly. Maybe there is a bit of Trump in many people, the vast majority of people, And what Chappelle is doing is giving people permission to be Trumpian in a way that feels safe for them, Mm. in a way that allows them to feel better than other people, which is at the heart of Trumpism. And hence the desire to defend him, the desire to pressure other people to watch him, the desire to go after anyone who dares criticize him, the Mm -hmm. way in which the president of Netflix rallied to his side and basically said, we're standing by him no matter the cost. And so I'm really grappling with who to trust Mm -hmm. right now. 
And who to believe? Because universally amongst trans people, like 95% of our community, we're saying this is hurtful and this is bad and this puts us at risk. Like there's uniformity mm-hmm. amongst us about this. Not even a, It's not even really a conversation here and there, but not really. And so uniformly a community is saying this and there's so many people who just don't care. And they don't care because this feeds a part of their soul. And uh, it's eating me up. I'm really struck by several well, several aspects of this story. But in particular, you know, we're talking about Netflix here. They do the corporate song and dance towards, you know, LGBT inclusion, right? So they, they put out the pride tweets. They changed their logo to a rainbow in June. Even today, their LGBT account most made a post about National Coming Out Day. And they literally said... This coming out day and every day, we support your right to come out however and whenever feels safe and right for you. And that includes using your voice to come out and stand up for our community. And this this statement came out at 3.30 today after the news broke that they suspended a trans employee for, you know, honestly, very mild criticism of the company. And it's like... Uh, I, I totally agree with you. Like, who who can we trust in this? I mean, we've always known that we can't trust the corporations, right? Because those are marketing employees. But that doesn't make it hurt any less. Yeah, I think that that's right. And I think that on some level, I mean, corporations are soulless. Again, I mean, this is a bad thing to say, but it's really just occurring to me. The most thing is the thing that Trump would do. Remember when Trump would do things like say negative things about a community and then the White House would issue a statement on like Hispanic Heritage Month or Latinx Heritage Month, however one engages it and saying like, you know, we celebrate this month, even though we have kids in cages, right? Mm -hmm. The ego Mm -hmm. is so big and is so shallow at the same time, so devoid that it allows you to do things without any hint of authenticity and not feel bad about it. Yeah. And I think one thing that, you know, I am seeing and coming to realize and having a hard time with is just the reality that hate is profitable. Mm -hmm. We see that with Netflix and promoting this. We see this with Spotify, buying Joe Rogan's podcast. We see that kind of across the board that creating hateful content does bring in money. We see that with Substack. Mm-hmm. And so hate and all, specifically transphobia is is profitable under capitalism in a lot of cases. And because there is like so much hate, I don't know, feeling feeling pretty down about that right now. Yeah. I mean, one of the great things that's come out of this podcast for me is the, ter- the term that we always bring. I think we say this every show, but it's the cancel culture grift economy. And it's just a built in system for boosting people who are quote unquote canceled. And like, it used to be that these types of people we would call controversial or edgy or, you know, pushing the limits of whatever society, and the, like those words have gone out of fashion. Now everybody wants to be canceled because there's a pot at the end of that rainbow. And I think Dave Chappelle is the perfect example of this. In fact, on Thursday at the Hollywood Bowl, he did a, he had a public appearance, and 
he was making fun of this. He's like, if this is what being canceled is like, I love it, he said. And it's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> like, we know you love being canceled because we've seen this happen over and over again where people quote unquote get canceled they say something outrageous and then somebody complains about it and it could be the most mild complaint i mean in the past for past specials i haven't said much about Chappelle up until today but for past specials i'm like yeah i don't think the guy's very funny and people would accuse me of trying to cancel him for saying that i just don't think he's funny as if my opinion of him is somehow a conferring cancellation and he depends on this. Like, I think this is actually part of the marketing strategy where he'll go in, he'll make a group angry. In this case, it's trans people. And, you know, I just want to know, he, he was anti-Semitic in this latest special as well. I don't want that to go without mention. Um, but he outrages people. They get upset. He goes, oh, I'm canceled. And then it gets more eyeballs, right? So like all of the news about the controversies only end up helping him and drive up viewership for future specials. Um, and it, it just makes me sick. I mean, I think that what's fascinating is how, well, the whole thing is sick and twisted, I think. I mean, as you say, there's this grift economy around canceling. Hate mm-hmm. has become profitable. We saw that from Facebook and all of the hearings last week, that they know what's happening, mm-hmm. but they know that it runs the numbers up. Mm-hmm. So who cares if there's genocide in, in Myanmar? It runs the numbers up. Who cares if democracy was in jeopardy in the United States not once but twice? It's running the numbers up. So I think that, you know, that's all really clear and it's all really sick and it's all incredibly twisted. And I also think that it's really fascinating to me whereby people who persecute and harm claim victimhood, which in this moment of accountability is the only way that they can continue to do harm. Because if they're actually held to account, they have to stop. Because that's one thing that is shifting in our culture, right? Is we're not actively allowing people to knowingly mm-hmm. uh, commit harm against other people if it becomes public knowledge. And the only way that you can do that now is if you claim victimhood status. Also, another Trump mm-hmm. um, hallmark, another authoritarian hallmark, uh, which is to do harm, of course, and then to claim that you're the one that's being harmed. And that was rife throughout his special. And that's rife throughout his claiming of being canceled. When Accountability is not canceling you. No one said that we should take down everything Dave Chappelle has done. Mm -hmm. No one said you should never go to a Dave Chappelle show, any of that. What people were saying is that either this person engages in dialogue, gives an apology, or Netflix takes down this harmful content because it does put people's lives at risk. Right? Those are the things. And those are very measured and very specific. Those are not canceling. And I think that the reason why he claims and lifts up the canceling label is because he's actually a perpetrator in terms of his mm-hmm. violent speech and the things that he says against other people. He's a perpetrator. And the only way that he can continue to do that in the public square is to claim that he's being canceled because these two things happened at the exact same time. This comes out and he says, oh, they're trying to cancel me. Of course, he embeds it in the comedy, but he it's not like he put it out and then there was a backlash and then he claimed that he was being canceled. He did these things, two things simultaneously, which means that 
claiming that you are being harmed by people is a part of the strategy of protecting your ability to continue to do harm. And I think for me, what also totally freaks me out is how he goes to like this star-studded event where there are lots of stars who are on stage and they have time to get up there and do whatever. Snoop Dogg was one and others. And he gets up there and Mm -hmm. gives a, I'm not going to back down speech um, in front of Hollywood. And, you know, to raucous like applause and response to people in the audience like Brad Pitt and Tiffany Haddish, Mm -hmm. uh, according to, to TMZ, which is where I read the report. And so there's also meaning that there is an increasing embrace amongst supposedly, again, left-leaning liberal people of this idea that there's certain people who we can't acknowledge we're hurting and change because that's too much for us. We can't acknowledge certain types of people because we're not doing that. So it makes us comfortable to look down on other people who do things like Trump. But the minute you're telling other people in Hollywood who are supposedly left or liberal that they can't do things anymore that are harmful, they suddenly jump on the canceling Mm -hmm. Dave Chappelle, JFK Rowling bandwagon. And so I think that that's also equally disturbing in this moment is that this wasn't about cancellation, but he had to claim that it was about cancellation so that he could continue to perpetrate. Yeah. And when you actually, when you look at what is happening and who is being silenced, uh, it's actually Tara at Netflix. It's actually a trans woman Mm -hmm. at Netflix and Chappelle's getting away with all of his bullshit. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and the wrong person is being suspended. And I don't buy what they said. I mean, technically uh-huh. Netflix said, oh, she wasn't suspended because she was tweet. She was suspended because she tried to go to a meeting. <laughs> what? Like they were like, she went, she was not authorized to attend a meeting on this subject because she tried to attend. Yeah. Um, people don't get suspended for their jobs for for things like that. Like that's not that I don't buy that. I think she's that it's retribution because the reason why it's retribution is because your CEO makes it really clear who they're standing by. They put out he put out a statement saying the person that we're rallying behind is Dave Chappelle. So does this look like retribution? Yes. Is it retribution? Probably to scare other employees from not saying anything. And so again, like what their CEO is saying is that money talks and shit hits the road. And Consequently, what's talking here is money and whatever anyone else is saying is shit and it has to hit the road. And so they made her hit the road. Yeah. And as you say, Caitlin, this is behind this bullshit of an inclusive company and all the rest of it. And, you know, dare I say, they're not, as you said, they're not the only ones that do this. You know, they're not the only ones that do this sort of thing. And it's hard because there are queer people that work at Netflix. There are gay people that work at Netflix. There are trans people that work at Netflix. So there are people that are there. And that makes it hard because they did do things like Disclosure. But then Sam Fader, the producer and director of that, came out and said, yeah, but they also made me sell the film for half than what I paid to have it made. Yeah. 
Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. What do you think this incident does to like the trans creators and showrunners who are going in <sighs> to pitch Netflix on, you know, trans related content. Like how, how do you think those trans creators oh, are going God. to feel now meeting with Netflix? Oh God. Oh God. This is so complicated because I know that there were so many people that were pitching ideas to them yeah. and it, there's such a behemoth. They have so much money. They're so powerful. You know, if you get a Netflix deal for fill in the blank, it can be a ticket to so many other things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's it puts people in an incredible bind where you're trying to get your thing made. Nobody else is talking to you. Netflix is talking to you. And suddenly you have to continue the conversation with them. That's one and or not and risk, you know, having this thing not made or have these excruciating conversations with people. I think it is going to make trans people really think twice because, the question is, are they really kind of on your side? I mean, I actually think that the yeah. Sam detail may actually be more damning, right? Damning, like, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like the golden handcuffs. Like, they're going to give you the thing, but they're going to nickel and dime you. You know, it's all of that. And so I think that that detail is kind of, it's as bad as the other piece, but it, it's all coming out. And I don't know. It's gut-wrenching. It's it's gut-wrenching. And it's enraging that people who are already marginalized, who don't have their stories told, who have been told that they don't matter, their voices don't matter, they come up with an idea, suddenly someone says, let's talk, it's Netflix or whatever, and now they're putting an impossible bind, you know? And that in and of itself is oppressive and violent. I'm actually really glad that we're talking a bunch about Netflix and not necessarily about Chappelle himself, because I think ultimately that's where I think the anger should lie for people, or maybe it's the bigger issue. I could be wrong on that, but you know, in their statement, they tried to hide behind some of the the content, the trans friendly content that they've made, like disclosure. And they mentioned sex education. And I haven't seen the most recent season, but I didn't even realize there was a trans storyline in sex education. Same. I watched it. There is. Is it good or is it British? (laughs) I'm angry at Netflix right now, so I don't want to say this. Um, But I think that overall it was pretty good. I I have some criticisms. There were some shortcomings, but I think overall it was pretty good. Um, And I think I can remember one trans storyline in another Netflix produced show. And I don't even remember the name of it now because I watched it so long ago. But like, that's fewer than the number of specials they gave to Dave Chappelle. Ooh. And, and besides that, like, uh, there was a, a comment that I thought was really insightful from a Netflix employee who was unnamed in the Verge article about Tara's suspension, where they're like, you can't just carbon offset bigotry by mm-hmm. producing other shows, right? And I thought that was really well said. Yeah, that was a brilliant quote. I'm glad you (laughs) you reminded us of that um, because it was truly brilliant. And I think, you know, what happens in so many cases like this is that they'll do this and, you know, they'll hit out and they'll marginalize certain people 
um, internally and externally as a result of this. But then they're going to bring in at some point, you know, a trans director, a trans producer or a trans show, and they're going to lift it up. And Mm -hmm. the car, I mean, it's going to get the bells and whistles like you've never seen before. And they're going to use it as a way to try to erase all of this. And I think that that's exactly right, is that, you know, there are not carbon offsets for this because I have a feeling this is really bad. I don't know why I thought about this before I got on, but I have a feeling that someone's going to get hurt because of this special. I just do. Mm. I think that like... Mm. It's the wrong message at the wrong time. Like the country's in a really toxic space. It's in a fragile and brittle Mm -hmm. space. It's in a terrible space on our issues. Those issues are going to get much worse in 2022. And Mm -hmm. when you put out something like this in that environment where someone feels like they have the permission to do something wrong because you know, there's several times when in his dialogue, he does basically say, yeah, and I thought about committing violence against this trans person, or I was gonna mm-hmm. commit, you know, violence against them, but I was in this, you know, space mm-hmm. or whatever, or I remember that I can't do that. You know, like there's all these things where he walks right up to the line. And I, mm-hmm. I just, I just have, I just have that feeling and I wish I didn't, but I, I really thought about it right before we went on. And if something like that were to happen or in this environment, um, something else related to that content that was put out, there's no one show or one director or one producer or one actor you can bring out who's going to erase the stain of of this. And this is mm-hmm. intentional because it's not once but twice. And if their position is that, like, we, we put out all types of content. Well, okay, question mark. But we put out all types of content Um there are certain types of content that shouldn't be put out. I'm sorry. Um, and one of them is hate speech. And that's, I don't understand why that's so hard. What do you say to um, people who, and I think Chappelle tried to make this point himself, but you know, some of the pushback that I've gotten online is he's not criticizing trans people. He's criticizing white people and trying to turn this into, you know, a black versus white issue. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, now we're talking about Chappelle again and I'm going to get really angry. <laughs> so I'm I'm, sorry. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's all, it's all terrible. So okay. we just are moving between different types of terrible, either sanitized corporate types or actual ones. I think a couple of things. I think this is one of the most terrible things. I think mm-hmm. that, at the core of attacks against Black trans women is that Black trans women are not human. Part of that lack of humanity is literally not the ability to see people. As seeing mm-hmm. trans people as alien othered in such a way as to where whether they exist or not is immaterial, right? Just the just showing up is an affront. And that's throughout his material. That's undeniable. Anyone who looked at or listened to either one of these, if you don't see that, that's because you don't want to or you don't care. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. there and there's not even room to talk about that. Um, And I think that his words are particularly dangerous for Black trans women Mm. because there is this conversation of unnaturalness, 
um, scariness, frightfulness, um, that trans people are a threat to Black people, all of those things. And then within that, making it being seen as a white person's manifestation of who they are, not Black people. And so if a Black Mm -hmm. person is trans, that means that there is no space for their existence and the way that other people interact with them, which makes that person even more exposed to violence. And we see this all the time. I tell people this all the time, that in so many cases, when you read about the murders of Black trans women, what is so apparent is that in many, many, many of the cases, I'd say roughly half of the ones that I've ever read about in great detail, the people that committed the murders don't see the women as human and they don't see that they did anything wrong. And one of the ways that you know that is that sometimes the people that committed the murders will call the cops and tell them. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they will commit the murder and they will wait for, I think it was in Dallas, this case, where he had murdered her and the cops were called and he was waiting for the cops in front of the house. And when they got there, he said, yep, I did it. Like, that's not natural. Like, normally human beings, you know, like, because you know that there's a sense that even if you think that what you did is right, that other people are going to think that it's wrong. There's a sense that they have that people in their communities or people in their cities or people in their states won't think that what they did was wrong because they don't think that that person mattered. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. at the heart of the danger of a lot of his comments um, is that he builds trans people up to be a threat and then totally erases trans women. And then at the same time, you know, says terrible things about black gay men. And one of his tropes, he talks about how the trans woman in the bar who he thought was hot until he found out that she was trans and you know, he wondered whether or not she had the, um, let's see, that she had the genitalia that he could still have sex with her. That's one of his, mm-hmm. like, one of his musings. Like, even if, I wonder if she had, I won't even repeat it, but I wonder if she had this mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So that's an aside. That's kind of a casual throwaway. He's like, oh, she was with these two black men who I just knew who were gay, these two black gay guys. And there's this idea of black gay men and somehow white trans people allying and being a fundamental threat to black people. And I think that mm-hmm. it makes black trans women particularly at risk. Mm. I also find that you know, his appeal that, oh, he's attacking white people, not trans people, is empty, is he he ends it all by going, yeah, I'm a turf like J.K. Rowling, who is like, you know, queen of the white people. So I just, I'm not buying it. I just don't buy it, personally. No. Um, Amara, one thing that I wanted to ask you about is, you know, we have been working, you know, for the last year on the anti-trans hate machine. And I'm wondering how you see, you know, what's Chappelle is saying and what's going on with Netflix as tying into that movement. Oh, I mean, I think that like, you know, the Family Research Council, well, minus the language, mi- minus the harsh language, because of course that's that's not permitted. That's that's anti God. But I think that minus the harsh language, you could pop in what Dave Chappelle had to say, and it would serve as comedy night at the 
values voter summit that the Family Research Council puts mm. on every year. You know, it would be a barrel of laughs. You're not wrong. Right? Right? Um, and it's having it come from someone who is from a historically marginalized and oppressed community would legitimate their transphobic views and animates them to think that, no, this is the right thing for us to do to be prosecuting the case against trans people and trying to erase them because this is unnatural and this is a threat and this puts Black people at risk. And we're not paying attention to the needs of African-Americans because, you know, there's all this stuff that they tell themselves that permits them to do terrible things. I think this would fit right in. And I think that he's dangerous. I, Mm -hmm. I think that he's dangerous and I think his words are dangerous. And I wouldn't say that about the vast majority of people who are in the public square who are saying things. Um, But I I really do. I really do. And also because all of his jokes were about the ways in which trans people are intimately a threat to you. Mm -hmm. Right? They're in the bathroom. They're in the bar. They are, uh, you know, getting rights ahead of you. Like, it's a very personal and visceral. It's not like, oh, I saw this trans woman at a supermarket. Or, oh, I saw this trans woman. You know, like, all these places where it'd be. It's all these intimate ways. And it is always connected to trans people and trans bodies being a threat to you and your manhood because they risk confusion and thus you stepping out of um, the idea of what's acceptable for a man and therefore you are warranted in the action that you take against this because it's an act of self-defense. Hmm. You know, that's that's constantly the trope that he sets up throughout both co- quote comedies, close quote. And so you know, I think that I think that it's I think it's dangerous, and I would love to see the places where this is doing well. I, I would be shocked if it wasn't a runaway train in places like Georgia and Tennessee and other places. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it was particularly violent. A lot of the jokes, and one thing that stood out to me was how it was specifically targeting trans women. There was a joke about trans men in the bathroom, but that was seen as like, oh, trans men aren't threatening. And so the the amount of trans misogyny that was like packed into that special um, was particularly disturbing. I think a trend that we see throughout, you know, attacks on trans people in our media. I think that that's right. And also like any woman that he can't subjugate was a target in his comedy. So he jokes about mm. rape, um, in the context of uh, lesbians, if I recall properly. There are all these things where any woman that he can't seem to control or that can't be a use to reinforce his sense of dominance is a threat, is literally a threat. And he talks about all of them. And they're all targets. I remember in the special, him asking or wondering why this woman was calling him a misogynist. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that speaks to that and why. Mm -hmm. Amara, is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to cover in this interview? I think the thing that I find most disturbing is the silence of too many people, of too many Mm. people who say that they are pro LGBTQ and also members of our community who are, who are too silent about this. Um, surprisingly, Glad actually spoke up against an outlet that 
is a Hollywood outlet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but GLAD spoke out and the National Black Justice Coalition, which are LGBTQ people who are Black and a part of the religious community. That's the organization that that they formed a while ago. Um, so those, they partnered and spoke out against this. But where's everybody else? Literally, where's everybody else? You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a deafening silence. And where are the celebrities that are supposedly LGBTQ friendly? And who are LGBTQ plus themselves? Where are the LGBTQ stars? Interestingly enough, the trans stars that spoke out that I have seen have been Black trans women. You know, it was Angelica Ross who spoke mm-hmm. out, um, most notably. You know, it's been in that kind of realm because Black trans women understand the threat. But there's so many other mm-hmm. people in our community who have a voice and influence in that world, in Hollywood, who are silent. Um, there are other members of our community who are silent. Like, where are white, prominent white gay men? Where are mm-hmm. prominent black gay men uh, who have platforms? So I am. I think I am also equally disturbed by the silence within our own community. And I have to say that I've really been paying attention as to who was saying what. Because this is not, to me, one of those controversial moments. I mean, there there are things that happen where it's hard to suss out what happened and you're really trying to square what it was. And my therapist and I had this conversation today and we had it because I clearly am having issues around it. And so I needed to talk it through. So I was talking to my therapist about it today. And, you know, therapists are those people who are always trying to spotlight the empathy of other people and other people's parts of things and how I ought to look at things. And then I just looked at him at one point and I said, you know, sometimes the search for nuance obfuscates right and wrong. Mm. And so I think that, like, this is literally one of those moments where this is right or wrong. There's no way that you can look at what that person said and the length of time that they said it, how they went out of their way to, to say these things and think that that was right and not dangerous and not harmful and not hate speech. There's no way. And if you can't see that, then it really deeply makes me question you and your humanity, how much I can trust you. And I think really questions how we have to figure out um, who, who we work with. Yeah. I think that that is a really powerful place to end. And I really appreciate you coming and sharing your insight and talking about this really difficult topic with us. Thank you. And thank you for allowing me to come on uh, to Cancel Me Daddy, which I think is a really important place for conversations like this, especially around cancel culture. I mean, I would have thought that like the idea of being canceled and the backlash against that would have been something that we would have been passed by now. But this conversation is showing that this isn't going anywhere. So what you have created here is a really important space. Lamora, that means a lot. (laughs) Thank you so much. Are you ready for some out-of-context cancellations, Caitlin? Yes, please. I am so tired of in-context cancellations. <laughs> well, the first thing that we're going to get rid of is HR departments. Seems like theme of the day, to be honest with you. Oh. <laughs> Just remember, folks, HR does not protect you. It protects the company. 
Caitlin spicy today. I'm sorry. I've been at this all day. No, 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 no. You're you are fucking delightful. Are you kidding? I don't mean that in a bad way. You know something else that uh, we're canceling today out of context that really goes with the theme of the show? What's that? Media companies that give platforms to cancel culture grifters. Oh, yeah. And it's not limited to Dave Chappelle. I'm just leaving it there. And um, Cancel Daddy is also going to take down Steven Pinker. That's, That's a very appropriate one. You know, he blocks anybody that mentions his connection to uh, Jeffrey Epstein. You know, maybe he shouldn't have a connection to Epstein if he's so sensitive about it. And Caitlin, here's one that I think that you will appreciate. Mm-hmm. We're going to cancel the kidney story discourse. Oh my God. I refuse to read the story. I just don't care. I've chosen to make it part of my personality that I don't care about this story. I'm just going to say, I, d- I did read it, and I actually do think that it would be good cancel me daddy fodder, but... Oh my god. <laughs> I saw a tweet where somebody was like, help everybody, I can't keep the kidney story details separate from the bad art friend details, and I'm like, oh buddy, do I have news for you? Isn't it the same thing? It is the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> this person thought it was two different stories. Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) Poor bastard. (laughs) And if you want to submit something for us to cancel, you can join our Patreon and join our Discord server by giving $5 a month. Other benefits on our Patreon include early access to new episodes. So, for example, if you're listening to this show on Thursday, you could have gotten it a day earlier on Wednesday at the $10 level. And this helps us become a weekly show, which is ultimately our goal. And uh, you can join and learn about other perks at patreon.com slash cancel me daddy. Today's show was made by me, Oliver Ash Klein, and my incredible co-host, Caitlin Burns. Daniel Peterschmidt made our theme song and Eden MW designed our graphics. Our show is made possible by the incredible cancelers supporting our work, especially members of our Canceler Hall of Fame, with the great power to cancel all of their enemies, Meg and Alice. We appreciate your support. Happy canceling!